Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. Welcome to the Piano Teacher Primer podcast. And I have as a guest, except I'm a guest in her home, this is my friend, Terry Peterson. And I was recording my episode about note reading tricks, and then I saw a presentation of Terry's about her note reading tricks, and I thought we have to have her come on too. So we are so excited to see all the goodies that she's created and figured out and and DIY'd. And, um, but first, as you know, we like to hear how people got started. So tell us about when you started teaching piano. I started teaching when I was a senior in high school. My teacher then was Catherine Bruff. And uh, she mentored me then and got me on a path to teaching. And uh, when I went to the University of Utah, I minored in music and uh, did a lot of pedagogy there. I wasn't really fond of pedagogy. I really honestly wanted to perform. <laughs> but um, anyway, I ended, up, I ended up majoring in design with a minor in music. And, um, and I love teaching now. I absolutely love it. I taught through... I. Through, I taught in the beginning for about 10, 15 years. And um, in that time span, I had five children. And so I just needed a break and we moved. And so that sort of made it a good time to take a break. And uh, then when my youngest, oh, so after that, we had three more children. So I have a total of eight children. Mm-hmm. Eight and children. Eight children. And we really <laughs> adopted one too. So we really have nine. Oh, yeah. Nine children. And we have 18 grandchildren now. So it's a crazy house at the Peterson household. <laughs> And, um, and, uh, I, I, uh, I forgot where we were Just at. Just as you started oh, teaching I started, again. Yeah. So I started having a lot of people talk to me about lessons and I was teaching my own children and I had a lot of people started to talk to me about lessons. So when my baby was young, I started to teach again because I had babysitters at home. And, uh, at this point, my greatest learning had happened being a mom at home with my kids because my kids are also different. Um, I have some kids that are highly intelligent and ADHD, and I have other kids that um, have a lot of anxiety, some kids that um, are slow learners. And so it's just given me an opportunity to uh, discover new ways of teaching and uh, different ideas in teaching. And um, and also the, another opportunity that I had was volunteering in the schools and being able to watch uh, teachers teach mm-hmm. and kind of seeing some of their ideas and some of their clues. And and uh, so that's really my greatest learning that I've done has been obviously participating in UMTA, but then just being a mom and raising kids. And and uh, I'm a, I'm a, I tend to like, I like to discover solutions to problems. And so I, that's what I do. I love it so much. <laughs> and you just teach a few students right now, right? <laughs> I have a large studio. Large studio. I have uh, between 60 and 70 students right now. And that's including your group. You've got some early childhood group classes. So I start kids. I'll start them in preschool, age four, and they're in group classes uh, until they're about seven. So through first grade. And we um, we do group off the bench, mostly activities. Basically, we play games. And it is so much fun. We just have a ball. We just sit down here. This is the playroom, and the kids love it. We we just play, 
And there's so yep, we really play. She made this sign. We also. really play, and we have all the instruments, and it's just it's just the kids come running in, and they love to be in. They love to be in this room. Even my teenagers love to be in this room. They all love to be in this room because it's just such a fun room. And and I really um, we try to really encourage discovery and learning things through play because that's how children learn. So and good. it makes it really fun, and it's not stressful, and the kids love it, and they're so excited to start private lessons when they're through with the classes. Yes, so she's gonna present and show us five fundamentals that gives them a great foundation for actual lessons. So I'm gonna sign over and so she can show you everything and I can zoom in on them. Okay, so I have five fun fundamentals for a rock solid launch. And uh, in teaching children, actually in teaching all my students, I really believe in teaching organically. And I like to use pure concepts all the time. I don't have very many uh, little analogies and things like that because those confuse are confusing. And I think the fact that I was a little bit of a slow learner has helped me too because I just need things laid out. So um, one tip I would really give in is watch your students and you'll be able to really see in your play if they're grasping the concepts or not. And, um, and since we're playing with a lot of these things and manipulating things, they can practice over and over and they get so much confidence when they learn these things. So first things that a, any pianist needs to learn, it doesn't even matter if they're 55, they've got to learn right hand, left hand, and they need to learn finger numbers. So that's really vitally important. So I have two ways that I teach finger numbers to the little kids. So if they're four, oftentimes those kids are still learning how to read their numbers. So we need to be, we just need to make sure that they can read their numbers. So we use finger puppets for these. So I have five finger puppets here. There's a, there's a number one. And we have five and they lay out their five finger puppets. I'll use this little chair right here. They, we sit on the ground for most of our activities because kids tend to, kids tend to wiggle a lot. So if you're on the ground, then you don't have to worry about bugging them about sitting on a chair properly. So, um, and so off the bench activities for this age group are totally appropriate and any, for any age group. So anyway, I always hold up whatever number we're singing about. I hold up the number so they can associate that. And it has the number on their little finger puppet. So we have a little song we sing and you'll have to excuse my singing voice. My daughter took all my talent when I gave her birth. <laughs> so it goes, it goes like this. Uh, we're baby bums all the way. Finger one, finger one, where are you? Here I am, here I am, how do you do? Finger two, finger two, where are you? Here I am, here I am, how do you do? So, and then we sing it backwards and they take a bow. So this not only teaches them their finger numbers, but it also um, does some independent finger work as they're trying to learn how to do these little bows and keep independent fingers. So, um, and like I said, I hold up the numbers as we go. So that's one way we do finger numbers. Uh, another way I do finger numbers with the older group kids, we do, um, I always do these opposite when I'm showing them, so I'll do them opposite to show you. But they have gloves, and their gloves say right hand and left hand. Now I'm doing it opposite, because I always do it opposite for them so that I'm matching with them. So I'm always matching. So this one says left hand, one, two, three, four, five, and right hand, one, two, three, four, five. And this little song goes, 
I have two hands with five fingers. I have a right hand with five fingers. I have a left hand with five fingers. One, two, three, four, five. Finger one is my thumb. With finger two, I point at you. Finger three is the middle. On finger four, I wear my ring. Finger five, that's my pinky. One, two, three, four, five. So anyway, that's really fun. I do that with the older kids. Finger numbers is really, is, is really important because fingering is so important. And if they don't know what their finger number is, how can they put finger two on C? They need to know their finger numbers really, really, really quickly. And um, that resolves a lot of problems in the beginnings. The other thing we do that has to do with our bodies and our hands is, um, is we, we start to talk about relaxation because kids need to know what relaxing feels like. And a lot of times kids don't know what relaxation is. So this is the best game to play. Uh, the first game we play is we play dead man and the kids lay on the floor and I walk around and pick up their limbs and see if they're dead or if they're alive. And um, we pick up their legs and their hands and we see if they can drop them. So um, that, that's a really fun one. And then we talk about having dead hands where we lift our where we lift our hands and we have this and so we start just doing these motions so they start with that lift and a lot of times they start like this right but we're starting we start to teach them to have dead hands so we do zombie walks and all kinds of fun things with our hands and and you know you can improvise something on the piano and let the kids walk around as zombies and they love to play music and I used to record a lot of music, but now I just pretty much mess around on the keyboard with them because um, it encourages them to mess around on the keyboard and, and we're playing, right? This is all about play. So, and then the other thing, I'm gonna stand up. So the other thing I do to help teach, um, and I, I do this with all my students and I remind them of this all the time, is that hands above your head, drop them down like you're dead. And then we talk about what's pulling our hands down. And that's the gravity pulling. It takes little kids a while to get this, but they can't, if they're ever going to understand the concept of the gravity pulling the finger down, they have to understand the concept of gravity and how it pulls. Okay, the second fundamental that students need to understand is they need to understand the alphabetical, the, the musical alphabet, sorry. They need to understand the musical alphabet. So there's a lot of ways to teach this. Most of the kids at this age can start to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and they're so excited they can do that. And then we start over again with A. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then you can take them to the keyboard, and it starts on A, and they can play every note going up the keyboard and say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And they can do that for eight octaves. And um, they're really excited that, that they sort of have that foundation. So the other thing, I do lots of manipulatives to teach this. Uh, I use uh, anything I can find that has ABCs on it, I use. I have, I use, I have stickers that will, I'll print stickers on um, Avery stickers, on round stickers, and I'll let them make uh, caterpillars, lining up the stickers in order. And I have, uh, I have little, the stickers actually look like this. And all the students get a little set of these cards that they can take home and put in order. And um, we have to remember that in music, we don't always start on A. 
And so uh, we'll play a little game. I have a dice that has each of the letters. So we'll roll the dice. And if it lands on E, then they have to start their alphabet with E. So it would be E, F, G, A, B, C, D. And so this just helps them to start doing the different letters. Because if you're going to read effectively on the staff, you have to be able to start at different letters. I have found in my teaching, since A is natural, that they, they, they gravitate really easily to A. So on the keyboard, that's actually the first note I also teach is A. And um, I teach it black notes, three black notes, two black notes. They know their groupings. I go to the middle black note, middle of the three group, and slide up. And that's A. And I have found over years, I've been doing my little kids' classes for about 15 years, and I have had really great success with teaching A first because then they can, they can, they understand it and it makes sense to them. Uh, the other thing we do is I have magnet boards. I start with just a blank board and then I let the kids build their snakes with their magnets. And um, if you need an activity that will always keep kids engaged, it's a whiteboard and magnets. They they just love these. So they can build, and there again, we can say the same thing. Okay, we're going to start with F, F, G, A, B, C, D, E. And then they get so excited because they just see that it can go over and over again. And by doing this, then they're prepared to start reading on the staff. Now, just, just as a little side note, I don't usually teach this until a little bit later, but just as a little side note, it's very important to notice, too, that if we have a stepping pattern, which is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, we also have a skipping pattern. So our skipping pattern is gibbity face. And this is where the gibbity face comes in. And, um, and gibbity face is all over on the keyboard. If you look at your bass clef, it starts with G. So the bass clef lines are gibbity face. It takes them right into the treble clef. So that teaches them to read on the grand staff. If you start on your bottom face, on your bottom spaces, then it's F, A, C, gibbity with the bottom space in the bass clef. And we, we have to have a few discussions about what gibbity is. So they understand gibbity face. But this is the idea that sells them on gibbity face. Every kid wants to draw this guy. And so this is just our skipping pattern. It also is very helpful in learning chords. So if there's a stepping pattern, there has to be a skipping pattern. Here's our gibbity face. So we have the G and we have the B, it's his sunglasses. And then the D is his hat. So that's the gibbity face guy. Oh, sorry. This is like poor writing. <laughs> but that's the gibbity face guy. And they love drawing him and seeing him. And so I introduced this, you know, a little bit later on. But it's, it's a very valuable thing as far as musical alphabet goes. And helping him to understand skips and steps. It's all about skips and steps. Okay, so now I'm going to show you how we read, how we use the musical alphabet and read on the staff. So two really key components of the staff is, um, is that there are five lines and four spaces. And the really smart kids figure out really quick, they say there's six spaces. So you can think of it either way. But it's essential that the students understand, especially if they're a five-year-old, six-year-old they understand a line note and a space note so we do a lot of line and space note work in the beginning because it's confusing do you say you know it's on the line because that could mean this 
or it's over the, or it's in the space. So um, this is where manipulatives are just very, very helpful. And I use a lot of uh, stickers. I use a lot of black stickers and just staff paper, just five lines. And then, and then we practice doing lines and spaces. And this is a tricky concept, but absolutely essential that they understand the line note and the space note. So that's number one in reading on the staff. Uh, and then, of course, we have, um, so we have five lines and four spaces, and we say that all the time. How many lines are there? I believe it's really helpful for the kids to draw the lines out. And um, so they'll draw them out. And they're usually like this, you know. I mean, they're all over the map, you know. They're like that. And then you'll say, you know, can you put, can you draw a note on the second space? And they're like this, you know, and it takes them five minutes to color it in. But it's just so it's just so helpful for them to draw that and see that, and even though it's it's pretty it's pretty crude, but it's so cute and they're so excited about it. So I, we draw we a lot of times draw. I I believe this is one of the things I learned in teaching my children how to read uh, is that you have to be able to do it orally and visually, and you have to be able to write. And so in my studio, we write as well as read. Because if you write things, then you, you read them better. You're going to read them better. And the kids come out of these group classes reading notes amazingly. They, they're not quite ready to read the note names, but they understand how the staff works. And so reading by steps and skips comes really easy. So, um, so then we move to this board. So uh, first thing we learn is we identify our staff. So we usually are in treble staff first. So it's a J, a P to the second line and a G around the second line on the bottom. And that's how we make our treble clef. And we'll start with treble clef. So um, then here again, we can use the musical alphabet. And now I can introduce that we're gonna start with E. And so I'll show them where E starts. And if I just give them the start, so I put E on the bottom line, if I give them the start, and then we have to go through and we have to have line, space, line, space and you have to say line space line space so they understand that e is a line f is a space g is a line a is a space and it's amazing how much time we will spend on this some kids catch on to it very quickly and others you know will just do like this they'll just squish them all together and so then we have to go back through and say so we'll do as a class, E is a line, F is a space, G is a line, A is a space, B is a line, C is a space, D is a line, E is a space. And then they get so excited, because then they say, oh, I know this one, I know this one, it's F, O, and then I'm so smart, and they always can get the G. And then we start, then we teach ledger line. So we teach our first ledger line is C. And so then they learn that that D is a bottom space also. And we also do it with the bass clef um, as they get older. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about how we make the boards with five lines and four spaces. So I get the boards on Amazon or at Walmart. They always have a lot uh, back to school time. And then I order my magnets on Amazon. They're rainbow colors. I color code mine too so that A is purple, B is pink, C is red, D is orange, E is yellow, and G is blue. So it's like a rainbow. And... Um, and that is helpful too for the kids. I put the lines on, I measured out with a ruler and I put the lines on with vinyl tape that can just be purchased. So this is the small board that this is a nine by 12, I believe. 
And then I use a large board to teach the grand staff. So on the grand staff, um, it's the same idea. They start, starts G on the bottom. And they, I like to do it every other color so that they can, so that they can uh, see the gibbety face. And it's the same thing. It's just a large whiteboard, a magnet board with, uh, with the vinyl tape. And then I put the treble bass clef and bass clef in permanent marker. Then um, in the primer book, uh, Faber primer book, I start halfway through that with my students after they have, um, after they've taken the group classes because I don't read without lines and spaces. My students all begin reading on lines and spaces because there again, I like to teach pure concepts and I like everything to be just the way it is. So, um, so when we get to the wheels go round and round, we call it the Jibbity Face Song. And it's so easy to see that GBD. So we just cross out wheels go round and round and we call it Jibbity Face Song and we draw our little Jibbity Face guy there on it. And they do GBDF, GBDF, and it really helps them to see that correlation between those notes that are in the middle of stuff because that's always a tricky place to read. And, and so um, I love Jibbity Face. Okay, so teaching young children is really fun to do it in this method. Even if you just have one student, it's great to just get on the floor and play with them. Don't be overwhelmed that you don't have a space to do it in. It took me a while to get a dedicated space. And this, is, this, this space has happened. We moved into this home about four years ago and this space really came together for me about two years ago. It took me, moving into the new house, it took me a couple of years to get my space right where I wanted it. But um, it's okay because you can start just little and just do a little bit of, just do small things. You don't have to do everything at once. This is 18 years of teaching this and comes from 30 years of experience of teaching lots of kids and knowing what the gaps are when they're starting to play at the bench, what the gaps are and what they don't understand. And so uh, it's, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing way to teach. And like I said, everything's a pure concept. And so the kids aren't ever learning something to relearn it a different way and um and you know that uh i'm i'm anti-hand positions so um i don't like teaching in a hand position like this is c position we absolutely do scales and chords but i don't like teaching songs in hand positions because i do not want the student to associate c with finger one they need to associate c with any finger so that sort of leads us into our next thing keyboard orientation so keyboard orientation is really fun and now that we have our finger numbers down and we have right hand and left hand, well, there's all kinds of little games you can play. So you can, so with keyboard orientation, we start with the two black notes. And so we'll do two black notes going up and two black notes going down. And you can say, use finger two and three with your right hand. And we get in a line and we play all the two notes going up and we get in a line and we play all the two notes going down. There again, if you have a group, they love to be the leader. So you can do it five times because you have five separate students that want to be the leader. And uh, then after that, we do three black notes. And we're doing three black notes up and three black notes down. And I have found that it's easier for the child to do three black notes than two black notes. Three black notes and two black notes. It's almost easier for them to comprehend that for the young child. Older students obviously get that concept very quickly. This is also a great time to start talking about high and low. And do we start high, do we start low? And there again, you can mess around on the keyboard. The kids can compose their own song. They can play it high, they can play it low. They can play it soft, they can play it loud. So their assignment for the week could be play a song that's loud and the high notes on the three black keys. 
and you can change it with different finger numbers. You can change it with different hands. So there's all kinds of things that are creative that help the student to learn their finger numbers and to practice those. All kinds of games that you can play in the studio. You know, we'll just, uh, I do incentives in my studio, so I have poker chips and, um, and I give poker chips and each of the students has a cup with their name on it. They're a cup like this, it has their name on it. These are crayon cups, but a cup like this with their name on it and I give the poker chips so I can usually say, okay, can, can everybody find their right hand finger to play the two black notes, fingers two and three, play the two black notes. And then come back and sit down because we're working on following instructions as well. Come back and sit down, they get a chip. I have found that I don't have to ever take chips away. I just have to say, oh, Brixie, you're doing such a good job playing your two black notes with fingers two and three. I'm going to give you a chip. And then everybody does the exact same thing. So that's how you control a boy, a, a class of five boys that are best friends is, is, is with chips. And then those get traded in for, um, for Bok Bucks and we have a store. So I think we've done, so like I said, I do first, I do middle black note. So three group, middle black note, slide up to A. And then they can quickly find A, B, C but it just makes sense for the child to do A, B, C. So then you can very clearly say, can you play A, B, C with fingers one, two, three? This for a young child is difficult. For an older person, it's not so bad. But that's a great exercise if you have an eight-year-old starting, have them play all the A, B, Cs on the piano and use different fingers. Have them play all the C, D, and Es on the piano using different fingers. Have them play all of the G, A, B. That's an essential set to understand. G-A-B and B-A-G, because that's where it transfers over. That's in that middle of the three group. So if they can understand those notes and they play them all over the keyboard with different fingers, it helps orient them really well to the keyboard. And that's essential before they start to play, because if they can't find their note and they can't find their finger number, they're already frustrated. But if they can find those two, they're gonna be successful. Okay, so the fifth fundamental that's uh, probably the most exciting one, is rhythm. And it's important that kids understand rhythm. And when they can count, rhythm needs to be felt. You know, that was the one thing I hated when, even when I was older, I had such a hard time counting everything. And I always felt like I was spending so much energy counting and not feeling the beat. So we spend a lot of time, at least half the time of most of our lessons, working on beat so they can feel beat and understand beat. Feeling beat and understanding beat is so much different than counting. So I like to teach rhythm patterns and as my students understand that rhythm pattern, they know what it sounds like. So uh, we start really simply with, with a four-year-old and five-year-old, we start really simply. This is a ta and uh, we learn each of these. This is a sh, is zigzag zig, and this is tt. So there again, if we write and play and read, it's most successful. So, uh, so, we, so we will do uh, rhythm dictation. So we do a lot of times just filling four quarter notes. So I'll do, I'll sing time to listen, time to listen. And when I sing that, they know they must freeze or they'll lose a chip and, um, and listen. So then I'll tap the beat. Here's the beat, ta, 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 ta. And then they all get out their little pens and they're so excited because they write ta, ta, ta.
ta, ta. And then we clap the beat and we'll do it four times. Ta, 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 ta. Most of them can all write a ta. I'm gonna do another one. I'm gonna do ta, sh, ta, sh. Because now I've introduced a pattern and they can recognize the pattern. And patterns in music are essential. And so teaching them patterns is also essential because they start to learn that. And they'll all notice really quickly that that's a pattern because that's something they learn in school. So patterns are very, very fun for them to do. We also have rhythm cards that they'll put their rhythm cards out and make measures. So this would be ta, sh, ta, sh. And it's so, it's so cute. It's so exciting. By the time these little pre-K and kindergarten kids are done with our nine months of class, they can do perfect rhythm dictation and it's so exciting. And at that point, so I'm gonna do ta, ti, ti, ta, sh. So I'll do ta, ti, ti, ta, sh. And pretty soon they figure out that these have little balls on the end of them and half the time theirs look like this and it's just so adorable. It's very fun. And they're so excited and they just can't wait to do the next one and hold up their board and see if they got it right. Uh, so they are writing the rhythm, so they're understanding what the note does. So we talk about it being a quarter note, but the most important thing is that it's a And then another way that I teach, I do this uh, with the rhythm more with my older students, is I use these magnets again. And, and this is so valuable in teaching divided beat. You really can't, you kind of have to draw out your half notes, but it's so important in teaching divided beat. So for example, if I have one, two, three, four. So I can say this is one, two, three, four. But say then my rhythm is, my rhythm changes then and I'm gonna have a TT, two eighth notes in the end. And so these are round magnets, for those of you that are listening, they're round magnet, magnets, and for the eighth notes, the magnets are cut in half, so they're half circles. And um, this is so valuable. And then if we're teaching a dotted, a dotted and a quarter, so then I say, well, this just changes, and that stem stays there, and then we dot that for one and a half. And it's so visual, because then at this point, I've put a half circle on top of my circle to make my dotted quarter note. And um, so this works really well with teaching divided beat. And I also divide our notes. So we also divide into 16th notes. And that's a fourth of a, that's a fourth of a circle is a 16th note. Can you see these okay? That's a fourth of a circle is a 16th note. And um, there again, if they can write these, this is great for teenagers, but I've set it out. Then I let them look at it. So if they're having problems with the rhythm in a measure, I build the rhythm on the board. And then we write the counting in it. We look at it. We clap it. We tap it. We get it in our heads. And it always, it's just visual. So they can see what that 16th note really is. And then, and then, especially then if you have it divided and you have a, this type of a situation. And then they can honestly see how that is makes one beat and how this creates one beat and it's divided into halves and then one of the halves is divided into half. They absolutely can see that. And then we clap that and tap it. All right, Terry, wrap us up with the final <laughs> part about rhythm. Okay, so our final part about rhythm is teaching steady beat. And uh, so we have to teach steady beat. We teach it in four counts and we teach it in three counts. 
So um, we say, which beat is the down beat? First beat is the down beat. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And there again, all you have to do is assign a leader and you're taken off. Uh, the older kids really need to understand this too and how to count. And then we count one and two and one and two and the and is a weak beat. And we count one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a. But we fill those 16th notes in sets of four. So uh, drums are essential. This one is an Amazon specialist expensive. It's about 60 bucks. Has a really cool thing and it's very loud and um, it's absolutely the favorite. We also use buckets. I'll use the, uh, the big buckets like from Home Depot with rhythm sticks. And uh, my older kids love, love, love to do percussion ensembles with the rhythm sticks and we do rhythm patterns and, and it's loud and it's crazy and they, they love it and it just teaches those rhythms. So, so this is the store for the older students that are taking private lessons. They get one Bach buck for each day they practice. If they get perfect practice, they get, uh, it doubles to 10. And then, so if they practice seven days, they get 12 block bucks. Uh, I like to have the same incentive program all year round. So I do this incentive program during the school year, and then I do a 50 day practice challenge over the summer that if they get 50 days, they get a hundred block bucks. And it just always stays the same. Each student has a wallet and um, they get paid. And if they get paid for their practice, and I have very specific practice guidelines for different age levels, so they know exactly what I expect. Uh, so, and then for the younger kids, they, uh, they also, so we're teaching the younger kids how to practice, which is so important that they learn this skill. And it's very basic in the beginning. It's, it's just like play the, all the C's on the piano with your right hand and play all the D's on the piano with your left hand. Something that's, uh, that is age appropriate for the child and fun. And we want them to learn how to discover so they're not afraid of composition later on. So they're just using the keyboard. They get uh, chips during class and they get paid Bach Bucks for practicing. And the chips, five chips equals a Bach Buck. At the end of class, they turn their chips in for Bach Bucks and it's just a hoot watching them try to count their five chips, whatever many chips they have and count their Bach Bucks and it's just a hoot. These are my Bach Bucks and I just printed these and had them cut, I had them done a few years ago. I have tens and fives and ones. And I just do shopping once a month. I always do it, usually I do it the last week of the month I do shopping, because uh, I don't like them bugging me with the shopping. And they're so excited on shopping day, it's such a big event. And um, so I have things from like this, everything on this shelf is 30 buck bucks. Things down here are 40, I'll have things up to 100, 200. Sometimes I'll do Lego sets, I'll do big stuffed animals. Uh, those really motivate the kids. We have squishies, uh, lots of candy. I don't know if you found the same thing I found, but Hershey bar is the bar. I buy these online, the 36 pack, because <laughs> my kids just blow things through these. And Skittles, uh, bracelets. The mashups are the cool thing now. Bracelets are always cool. Uh, lots of candy, and anyway, just anything fun that I find. And my ratio is about uh, 30 bought 30, so this is about a dollar's worth. 30 Bach Bucks is about a dollar's worth. So, um, and if I get the big bags of candy at all or dollar, they love those too, like the Sour Patch Kids, the big bags, I do those for, um, for 40. And just a little tip too, that I do those now, I get the big bags of candy at all a dollar for my recitals and I let them pick after the recital, they get to pick and it's so easy and 
so fun. They love it. <laughs> anyway, hopefully you picked up some fun ideas. I love teaching. I love the kids. I uh, love playing with, I really enjoy the playtime that we have in the studio down here. And, and honestly, uh, even with my older kids, we, we spend a lot of time playing because that's what music is. It's just so wonderful and so fun. It should be always enjoyable. Oh, I love this. And that's, that's the foundation. The, I think the foundation of all your foundations is that it's play. And then piano equals fun right from the beginning. And then as they continue through more traditional lessons, it's still so fun. And you can bring back any of those concepts that they're struggling with, like you were mentioning with the 16th notes. You know, they're having a tricky rhythm passage. You can rely on what you've already taught them. And they know fractions at school, and so they can connect uh, what you're doing there with that. So there you have it. And a lot of this she's just purchased and DIY'd, <laughs> and I just think it's fantastic. So thank you, Terry, for coming Thanks on with us. Thanks for having me. Angela's the best. <laughs> Are you having as much fun with this podcast as I am? Are you getting some actionable tips? Help more beginning piano teachers find us by leaving a rating and a review. On Apple, you just scroll down to the bottom and click on the stars. And on Spotify, you click the three dots near the top and click rate show. Also visit AngelaToon.com for free videos, downloads, courses. Together, we'll change the world one student at a time.